launched his company back in uh, 2009. They've now scaled about 6,000 uh, customers they're working with, you know, calling, you know, paying between 300 to 400 bucks per month, doing about 23 million bucks today in run rate, ended last year at about 15 million bucks in AR. So healthy growth. They raised 16 million bucks to grow the company, 2.5 million uh, additional in venture debt to help scale there as well. Over 100% net revenue retention, team of about 103 people between California and Baltimore as they look to scale Dr. Krona, Krono in the EHR space. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Michael Nusimov. He believes that technology can make healthcare more efficient, more personalized, and help provide healthcare to many more people. He co-founded his company, Dr. Krono, with Daniel, uh, or, sorry, Danielle uh, Kivinthios in January 2009 and built the first ever native iPad EHR app. So we'll jump into it today. Michael, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes. Very good. By the way, is it Daniel or Danielle? So it's Daniel Kivatinos. Oh, I butchered that. All right. Well, that's your co-founder's name. All right. What's the company do? What's Dr. Chrono do? So um, what Dr. Chrono does, uh, we kind of built the world's best uh, electronic medical record focused on the iPad and iPhone. And that was uh, our first real breakaway product that we launched right around when the iPad first came out in April 2010. And what an electronic medical record is, is everything that a doctor needs to do at the point of care with a patient. When they're in the exam room with a patient, they can do all of that work on an iPad or, or even on an iPhone, although an iPad is, gives a little bit more real estate to do a good job. And those are the types of things like viewing a patient's complete medical history, uh, viewing a list of the patient's medications they're taking, their ongoing problem list. Um, and also, it's really critical that they document, uh, you know, so instead of writing down uh, on paper what's going on with their clinical visit or sketching down notes um, or using a desktop computer or even a laptop, they're able to do that all through touchscreen based on the iPad. And everything else they need to do at the point of care, they can do on the iPad without paper, without a laptop, including ordering labs and radiology for the patient, viewing those results, sending prescriptions to any pharmacy in the U.S., including controlled substances, uh, which are powerful pain medications. We're certified with the DEA to send such powerful prescriptions through the iPad and iPhone. So, Michael, who, um, who's actually paying for this, though? Is it the hospital or the provider or who? So we sell into what's called the ambulatory clinic market. And uh, it's a little confusing to people outside of healthcare because ambulatory actually means everything outside of hospitals. I know ambulances take us to hospitals, but ambulatory is, you know, the patient ambulates in and ambulates out. They walk in and walk out. So anything where, you know, any clinic when doctor, you know, when the patient is not staying overnight, you know, so regular doctor visits, pediatrics, and even things like ambulatory surgery centers where you go in and get surgery and kind of hang and go home. And just to finish the product, we, you know, that's kind of the tip of our spear product is the iPad EHR, which is the clinical tool. Um, and our big upsell from there, kind of the shaft of the spear, the follow through is something called revenue cycle management, uh, which is often shortened to RCM. And basically that's all of the work involved in getting the doctor and clinic paid from the insurance companies and the patients. So it's really kind of end to end submitting a claim dealing with rejections, modifications, all the way through, you know, several insurances you may have and all the way to the patient balance at the end. So it's kind of that end-to-end -end care of the clinical tools, but also the follow-through and, and our upsell where we generate the revenue is by taking a percentage of the revenue that we help the doctor and clinic earn from the insurance company. So there's no, that's the only revenue model, that's the only way you make money? There's no SaaS product underneath, underneath this or anything? Um, so that's definitely the most important to us. We do just sell our software as a SaaS product. 
Um, and that's where we started the business. And the rev cycle has really evolved in the last couple of years and going forward as being kind of our preferred model, because I think it's where we deliver the most value. We can generate more revenue and I think solve a deeper problem. It, and, and kind of I think of it as making it zero work for to get paid with insurance, which is a huge hassle. So, Michael, sorry, just I don't want to get too far away from the revenue stream for a second. So 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 just to be clear right now, if you look at the, your revenue over the past 12 months, what percent of that is is SaaS, would you say? Um, so probably around two thirds of our revenue is still just from SaaS software. Oh, okay. That's pretty healthy. And, and so what and do people pay? What, sorry, the, the ambulatory kind of services there, what, what on average, what are they going to pay per month or per year for this? Just the SaaS yeah, side. So for the software side, uh, an average software per provider license would be roughly around $6,000 a year. Okay. Okay. So th- that, that feels like, you know, not too crazy, not too cheap, doable for most people. Yeah. And one of the reasons, I mean, one of the challenges with that is there are only so many providers in the U.S. So it's kind of a smaller market than you might think. There's about a million people with an MD in the United States and only about 700,000 of those MDs who, you know, people in the U.S. who have a medical degree actually practice medicine today. The other 300,000 are retired or in research or, or I don't know what they're doing. But what, and um, what penetration, um, what penetration so do you have in that market? Pool. A lot of those MDs are in hospitals, which we can't sell to. I'm sorry. What penetration do you have of those 700,000? Um, so we have about 30,000 healthcare professionals. So that's kind of beyond the MDs to include, uh, the nurses and other staff members and professionals who use it. So we can sell to some people who are not MDs, for instance, I see. nurse practitioners, physical therapists, kind of anyone, you know, uh, including chiropractors and anyone who really sees a patient and submits a claim to insurance. Um, we can can use our software and, and the MDs are probably more valuable because they generate more revenue and kind of have harder problems. But, you know, in the modern, you know, if you look at an urgent care center, which is a great example of an innovation in ambulatory care, um, you know, they they're a lot more efficient than an emergency room. And they don't just rely on doctors. When you go to an urgent care, you're much more likely to be seen by a nurse practitioner or um, a medical a physician's assistant or medicine. And they can really do most of what you need. So it's a, kind of becoming a broader market. So my, Michael, sorry. So how many providers then are currently pay, you know, paying customers of what you've built? Yeah. So we have about uh, 6,000 providers and about 30,000 you know, page users overall. Okay. What's the difference though? So I don't understand the difference. So if I like if for example, if I take 6,000 times that 6,000, sure. that 6,000 per year price point, you said that would put you right now at about yeah. 3 million bucks per month in revenue. Is that accurate? Um, no, we're, we're probably at around uh, a $23 million ARR rate right now. Okay. Uh, so probably is a factor of kind of discounts and, and that's including our, our rev cycle business, which has, you know, where we're taking a percent of revenue and we tend to make several times more revenue than just software. Yep. Okay. That's fair. But so, so of those 6,000 customers, then if you're kind of at a 23 million run rate, two thirds of that is pure SaaS. The other third is kind of the other services that you provide each. You're making, you call it 300, 400 bucks a month per 6,000 customers, something like that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and I would segment that because the RCM business, which is about a third of our revenue and has been growing really fast, that's only about 10% of our customer base. So to us, we have different customers that are worth, you know, probably a pretty wide range of what they're paying us. We might have a small practice paying us, you know, a hundred bucks a month for their software. <laughs> and then we might have a, of a medical doctor where we're doing their billing, where they might be paying us, you know, 
uh, eight to ten thousand a month for rev cycle services. So they could there could be a lot of variation. Of, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. You'd expect that, right? Any big customer base. Um, so if you're at twenty three million bucks in AR today, help me understand growth. Where were you about a year ago? Um, we've been growing at about fifty percent year over year. So I believe we ended the year last year with about um, around fifteen million okay. in uh, ARR. So you know we've been targeting about fifty uh, percent year over year growth. Uh, for the last couple of years, and we've been on a pretty good trajectory with that. And have you been able to do all this bootstrapped or have you raised capital? So the first several years of the company, probably 2009, when we first started working on it through 2011, we were bootstrapped. Uh, in 2011, we joined the Y Combinator incubator and actually relocated to California from New York. Um, and, and starting in our 2011, when we started raising funding to date, we've raised about $16 million in venture capital through a seed round in a Series A. Yep. And the, you said you very specifically said venture capital. Do you have debt on the company as well? Um, yeah, I think we've used uh, some venture debt uh, along with our seed round and with our series A round. So that's something we're able to use to kind of supplement um, the that equity financing, probably another two and a half million in debt yep. as part of those rounds. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, and when did you launch the company? What year? Yeah, so we started working on it uh, in 2009. And that's kind of when we launched our first web product. And uh, we were bootstrapping it. Uh, me and my co-founder were building the product and selling it and trying to do all the jobs at the company. And uh, we got a lot of success in 2010 when we launched our iPad app. I think that was something that really set us apart. You know, about way back in April 2010, um, when the iPad first launched, there were about 300,000 pre-orders for the iPad. And it was limited to like two iPads per household or customer. And about 10% of those, 30,000 of those were sold to physicians. So really early on, physicians kind of saw that ability. You know, in circa 2009, 2010, less than 3% of doctors in the U.S. were using any kind of EMR. It was really not used a lot. There were still lots of paper charts. And there was a set of government incentives called meaningful use that paid out $30 billion over the last 10 years to really just giving incentives to doctors to start using EHR tech like Dr. Crano and others. And that really created an explosion of EHR vendors. Um, and we kind of, you know, there were kind of two waves we were riding then, you know, the explosion of kind of mobile tech with the iPad and also the explosion in just EHR tech at all. Because, you know, we went from an area where, you know, as I said, 10 years ago, less than 3% of doctors were using any kind of sure. EHR today where, you know, Medicare puts that somewhere around 85% of providers are using this tech. So in 10 years, it's been a pretty massive period of adoption across a few hundred vendors in that space. And it's still changing drastically because 10 years is not that long of a time. It's totally. still a relatively young industry. Last few questions here before we wrap up, just because we're out of time. At what team size today, what are you guys at? So today we have about uh, around 103 people in the US. Uh, we have around 70 people in California, uh, most of those here in, in Sunnyvale and Silicon Valley. And we have a, uh, a pretty large team on the East Coast with about 30 people in Baltimore, Maryland. Great. So 103 people total, California and Baltimore. Very good. And then um, economics wise, so, you know, CAC, do you, do you have fully weighted CAC for these customers? You know what you're paying to acquire them? Yeah, well, we target and I think it's a pretty good uh, benchmark. I've seen a lot of SaaS businesses, which I still think of ourselves at, at heart. Um, we target to recoup the acquisition costs in the first year. So kind of blended marketing and sales costs. Our goal is to always get that acquisition under a year of our customer lifetime value. Yep. So good. If your if your average contract value is six grand, you'll spend six grand to buy them or get the customer. Yes. And then what about churn? Are you above one hundred percent net revenue retention or? 
Um, yeah, for the last, uh, I think it's been around eight of the last nine quarters, we've had a, a negative net churn. So we've been able to expand our user base beyond what we've churned. Um, I definitely think in, you know, for, for us, about 60% of the gross churn that we do have is what I'd call involuntary churn, uh, which is, you know, a practice shutting down, providers leaving a practice. Um, and I think that's kind of a reflection of the market we're selling into and a broader change in the market where, you know, when we started the company 10 years ago, probably 60, uh, somewhere between, you know, more than 60% of providers were in these smaller one to five provider groups. And today, uh, or at least in 2017, I've seen data that, you know, that's more of a share of about 40% of providers in ambulatory are in these kind of small SMB one to five provider groups. And a lot more of those providers are going to join larger practices, you know, kind of in the mid market from say, you know, six to a hundred providers and even the really large enterprise market where you'll see it's very popular here in California, places like Kaiser and Sutter Health, where there's kind of these big HMOs that employ lots of physicians. So there's kind of a change in the industry we're seeing where providers are joining larger groups from medium to really large groups. Um, and also, I think that's normal for a lot of SMB businesses. You know, they're a little more fragile. They tend to have more uh, churn than enterprise customers and larger customers and tend to have less, you know, um, it makes sense, Michael. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's a range I hear all the time. So that seems super fair, super healthy to me. Um, let's wrap up here quickly with the famous five. Uh, one word answers if you can. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, uh, I would say one of the my most recent favorites is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I thought it was really honest about you know what the startup experience is like. Yep. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yeah, I think... Uh, I actually was listening to a bunch of your podcasts. I've heard this before, but Mark Benioff, I think, is a great CEO from what he's done with his company and, and even just how himself is a good head for his company and a good role model. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Um, you know, I'd say my favorite tool right now is actually Inbox, which is kind of sad because it's going away, but the Gmail Inbox tool, yeah, sure. which is going to be sunsetted soon. But Number four, I know you have a new one there. How many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Um, so I really try and get about eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, it's not always straight eight hours through, sure. <laughs> but I try and, uh, you know, and average around eight hours. And situation, I think you're married. How many kids do you have? I know you have one. Yeah, so we just had our first newborn. He's ten weeks old. So. And how and how old are you? Uh, so I'm thirty nine. Thirty nine. Last question, Michael. What do you wish your twenty year old self knew? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I kind of at twenty, well, twenty one, I kind of graduated college and went to work in New York. Had a great time living in this city. It's a, I really love. But I do wish I knew the kind of opportunity that was out here in Silicon Valley. Although I was twenty in two thousand, which was right before a big market crash. But I do wish I'd kind of thought of that earlier in my career is to come out to Silicon Valley and kind of get involved in the startup scene out here. Guys, there you have it. Get out to Silicon Valley maybe sooner, faster, get more of that exposure earlier on. Launched this company back in uh, 2009. They've now scaled about 6,000 uh, customers they're working with, you know, calling, you know, paying between 300 and 400 bucks per month, doing about 23 million bucks today in run rate. Ended last year at about 15 million bucks in AR. So healthy growth. They raised 16 million bucks to grow the company, 2.5 million uh, additional in venture debt to help scale there as well. Over 100% net revenue retention, team of about 103 people between California and Baltimore as they look to scale Dr. Crona, Chrono in the EHR space. Again, management and medical API platform. Michael, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks.